Good evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog from Fuga A to Fuga Z. Joining me today to discuss Long Distance Runner from 1995's Red Medicine is Sean Jurd, a musician, photographer, and union stagehand in the Bay Area, California. How's it going, Sean? It's going great. Nice to have you here. I'm glad we could make this happen. Let's start at the place where we usually start with my guests. I always love to hear people's stories about their relationship with Fugazi. Where yes. did it start for you, Sean, uh, and and where did it go? Right. Uh, about Probably I was about 14. I remember hearing Minor Threat for the first time. Just was, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. So I, I remember having the... Um, is a complete discography CD and just, uh, you know, it started skipping from just how much I played that CD. I just loved it. And uh, just listen to that, listen to, you know, other punk music and getting into that. And, uh, you know, hearing probably uh, Waiting Room was probably the first Fugazi song I heard. And, you know, hearing different Fugazi songs. Uh, through friends and things, I got, I think, all the albums that Fugazi had up until that point. So the first album uh, that came out when I was following along, like, oh, new new Fugazi album's coming out, was Red Medicine. So I remember very distinctly going to, uh, I'm from San Diego, so Off the Record was the cool record store in San Diego. And... Uh, I mean, I remember walking in, seeing it on the shelf and walking over and, you know, picking it up and looking at the album, the cover and just being like, oh, yeah, this is great. So I just loved it. Yeah, I can. You got into Fugazi a little earlier than I did. And I can just imagine like already being a Fugazi fan when this album came out. Must have been sort of mind blowing. It's it's a bit of a departure in some ways, and it's for sure. I'm, I'm sure it made you like a little bit uncomfortable. Like, what is going on here, right? Yeah, I mean, I, it's like I knew their catalog well enough to know how it was, how different it was in a way. But you know, it, realistically, I mean, it, it had only been a a year or whatever that I've been listening to the band, so it wasn't so solidified that I was I had that much trouble acclimating to how. It was kind of the next step, a little unusual. So I saw them play that tour, uh, Red Medicine. They played a venue called uh, Soma, S-O-M-A. And there was a lot of punk shows there. And uh, so the, I, saw the, I saw them twice. So they played uh, that same venue. Uh, they played 95. I had to look it up on the live series. So 95, uh, I, you know, I saw them. Right, I guess must have been right after Red Medicine came out, and then they played at the same venue in '99, and I know I saw that show as well. As a musician, was there any influence there for you? Uh, oh, yeah. Do you do you make the sort of uh, music that uh, one might say is uh, is a little bit Fugazi influenced? Fugazi esque. I mean, I would say that you know their impact on me as a musician is immeasurable, but. You know, I, I don't know that uh, it's probably probably wouldn't you know be the first thing someone would say, oh that sounds like Fugazi. I don't I don't think I've made very much music that's really too close to the mark on that. But I I just think the 
the ethos, the, the kind of the methodology, the way they approach what they do uh, is absolutely. I mean, I'm sure I've listened to <laughs> Red Medicine hundreds of times. Yeah, it's almost better when the, the influence on a musician is not immediately clear and it sort of diffuses into what they do with their own sort of uh, creative uh, flow. And it's it's like if you listen really closely, maybe you can hear it. Um, but so, yeah, it just becomes one of those background things. Sometimes that's the best. Absolutely. Well, today we are talking about Long Distance Runner from Red Medicine. Um, kind of a momentous song, in my opinion, but as usual, I like to give the first word to my guest. So, Sean Jurd, what do you think is the first thing we should say when it comes to Long Distance Runner? Yeah, I, you know, it's a, it, I, I would say easily it's uh, the, in, as far as individual Fugazi songs, it's probably the one I've listened to the most. I mean, I love the album as well, but there's something... I don't know. There's just something that's always fascinated me about the song, and it's it's so um, it's so telling of Fugazi the way that it's like I've, I've heard the song so many times, and then getting ready for this and thinking about the song and kind of de- deconstructing it, it. There's just so much there. It's it's it feels like there's so many things that I wasn't conscious of, or sort of or like, oh, that's interesting, and yet. I understand the song in a different way, having kind of thought of thought of it, getting ready for this, and yet I don't I don't know that any of that really explains what what is so incredible about the song. I mean, it just has that has such a cool vibe to it, right? Yeah, it it really does have an interesting vibe. The way that it starts, I mean, I guess to to talk about the the vibe that it establishes. At first, because um, there's stuff that happens even before the music begins in this song. That's totally. that's all nice, right? Like it starts yes. out. There's this little sort of guitar noodle, like a yes. like somebody doing you know hammer-ons and pull-offs on a little uh, on a guitar neck. And there's a lot of background hiss, like there's a really cranked up amp that's just sort of humming along. I like stuff like that that gives a sort of live in the studio feel. That's one of the cool things about especially maybe this album and and end hits also is like they both feel maybe better produced than than anything before but they incorporate these little elements that still make it seem very organic and live yeah uh, yeah i was thinking um about that where you know kill taker has such a it's so clean in a way the production is so it's so nice in a way, but there's something when you kind of stack them up in uh, you know, on the kill taker, red medicine and hits red medicine. It feels live in a different way. than even those two albums side by side and the, the differences are subtle in this way where you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't really think, think of that until you really kind of start to, you know, get in there. But it's, you know, the way that and hits feels, I mean, particularly with a uh, long distance runner, you, when, when you hear that amp hiss, when you hear the count in, this is four people in a room. And I, and I love the production on end hits, but you can, it has a little bit more of that multi-track feel, right? Like these pieces were, you know, maybe they recorded the basic tracks 
all in the room together. And, but, you know, you can, you can kind of feel that layered in a different way on end hits. And in some ways, Killtaker that, I don't know, there's, there's something there where you, there is a palpable feel of they're in the studio recording this together. And I, and I, I agree. I, the fact that it's, that's what we're talking about two seconds where we, nothing's even <laughs> happened yet. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it is, it's palpable. You feel that you're, I, I, I get excited just hearing exactly what you're describing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's something maybe more casual feeling about it than end hits. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're getting at. But yeah, also, even when the music starts, um, like uh, like one of the first things that happens musically in this song after Brendan comes in is there's this, there's this like sort of sassy bend, right, yes. th- that happens on the guitar. It's almost like Hendrix-esque. It's the sort of thing <laughs> that like maybe wasn't even necessarily intended to be part of the yes. song originally, but it's like, you know, the drummer starts playing a thing. Yeah. You grab your guitar and you're like, Brow, and <laughs> it's just like a fun thing to do that you're, I mean, uh, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I, I, I sat down and I figured out, uh, basically the whole, so what the guitars are doing on the whole song, which didn't, you know, it's, it's amazing how, you know, I'd listened to the song so many times. I had no idea what they were playing. And when I sat down, it didn't take that long. Okay, you know, he's doing this, Ian's doing that. But when I tried to figure out that, what you're talking about, that, that kind of guitar, but okay, he's hitting the strings and it's, it's immediately sliding down, but it has almost kind of a rake in the pick and whatever. I couldn't emulate that. Of all the things, it was like, I can't quite figure out what the hell he's doing. So then I'm looking at the live versions and you can tell that it's, it is it is clearly kind of an improvised moment because it's a it's not exactly the same in the live versions hmm. and it, how would you even tab that right like how would you even <laughs> notate what that is well it's sort of a you, you scrape in there and you kind of slide and he almost doesn't he's sliding off of the notes before he even kind of hits the chord whatever it is right yeah, I guess some of the some of the best parts you just you can't tab out at all. It's all <laughs> it's all feel. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean to to talk about what the guitar is doing in that because I I didn't sit down and and do that myself, but um, I it's it sounds like for for most of uh this song they're sort of like sustained harmonized guitar notes that Ian and Gee are playing, right? Yeah, that so so that the first hit and 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 I think the only thing we haven't kind of said about <laughs> this very m- macro bit of that one little guitar bit is it's very um, rhythmic in a way that it's mo- it's not a it's not about the notes it's about a, a it being a, kind of a piece of the rhythm and so so then it comes in and. Uh, Guy and Ian are essentially playing the same thing, and it's actually it's like a double stop. Da-na, da-na, so it, it has that kind of again. I, it's interesting because because Hendrix came to mind when I was thinking of this, but I was sort of like, is that too hyperbolic? <laughs> because it's it's so simple in a way. It has a simplicity that oh, yeah. feels you know not Hendrix at all, and yet. There is something there. So it has that kind of blues, um, you know, kind of country, double stop, uh, two note, and then it has that bend uh, in the in the pattern. And so 
they're pretty much playing the same thing, but if you really, you know, put on headphones, you can kind of hear it's like geese playing slightly less notes and they're, they're kind of panned left and right, but not to the point where you can really pick them apart, but they're essentially playing the same thing with some very kind of subtle differences. Uh, and then it goes to that. So it, it has that pattern and then, yeah, it switches to that much like it's, you know, kind of feedbacky and it's an open string and, uh, and it's, you know, it's one of those things as a guitar player where it's, it's almost not like a, it's not even like a chord in a way. Like they're basically playing like Ian's playing like two notes and he's playing like one. Yes. Right. <laughs> they're not uh, chords. You know, they're, they're not these big full chords. And I think there is, um, there's something about the space in it, the way that you feel uh, Joe's bass moving around and in, in, in grounding the whole thing and, and it, everything has space because they aren't playing these even power chords really they're just these sort of little spindly little notes yes and i think also that space allows the drums to come through more which man what a godly drum oh sound on this song it sounds <laughs> so great it's unbelievable right and the kick i love how there's yeah. that one little place in the drum line where there's this like quick double kick drum hit it yes. just sounds so so I, great I, I heard it too i i don't know that i'd ever really paid attention to to that and i, and I as a guitar player i find, i actually i listen to the drums a lot like i i don't know especially as i get uh older i don't know i just find myself more and more <laughs> interested in what the drums are doing and when especially in that intro part where you hear what he's doing on the on the kick and it has that little da -da -da -da, it's it's funky right yes yeah the, the whole thing that plus the that little bend yeah i'd <laughs> For some reason, the word sassy really did come to mind. But yeah, it's got this like <laughs> swagger to it. That's... Yes, I thought the same thing. Yeah. It yeah. Does, it's an undeniable swagger. And yet it's, it's um, you know, obviously we haven't gotten into the kind of the, the lyrical part of it. But um, that the, the movement of it is, is clearly it has a feeling of running to it. It has this kind of locomotion kind of feeling to the rhythm that is just like, you know, I have to imagine, I mean, they make it pretty clear in instrument where, you know, they pretty much write the songs and then the, the lyrics kind of happen at the end. So you, you have to imagine that they were kind of jamming on this and then, you know, they, it's not, you know, not, like, oh, yeah, that sounds like running. And I think I'll, I'll write some lyrics about running. But, you know, unconsciously, subconsciously, you know, feeling that in, 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 in you know, finding these lyrics that <laughs> see the, the rhythm of it and the, and the content seem to really speak to each other. And I think we've been talking a lot about the vibe that gets established by this. And I think it stands out to me because it's pretty different from most of their other closing numbers yes. on albums like it's not totally. it's not an epic sounding song in a way that a lot right. of their closers it's, are you know it's not f slash d it doesn't have that just like yeah uh, it's not a glue uh, man uh, it, ending. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's um 
it's a little bit of an oddball feel for an album closer and I, yeah the like the lyrics i think are you know clearly making an appropriate song to put it at the end of an album uh but yeah other than that it's it's something different and refreshing yes i was trying to think of um you know other albums okay other closing albums God, there's, you know that's such a you know when a band really nails that really nails the intro song and the last song on the album oh god that's such a trope like i was trying to think of other songs <laughs> but the list felt really long but then when i got into it exactly what you're saying where it's not a it's not a sort of triumphant ending it's not an up moment ending it's it's this kind of come down but in a because of that swagger, it doesn't feel like, uh, I don't, it feels triumphant, but it, it feels, you know, it's clearly, uh, <laughs> you know, a come down moment after the, you know, the way it's sequenced with, um, I actually went through and was thinking about like, okay, you know, back to base, uh, down city, you know, the, they're, those are, some of the most kind of up-tempo kind of, you know, air quotes, kind of like punk songs on the whole album. And it has this kind of sweep where it gets really kind of intense there. And then it makes you, it, it, it primes you for long distance runner in this really interesting way. Yeah. That's, um, I think that all adds up to, yeah. What makes it really one of my favorite albums. Absolutely. Uh, there's there's some magical ingredients in red medicine totally i you know i mean obviously i mean you're doing an entire episode on each song so you know i we don't want to go into the other songs on the album too much but i was sort of taking notes and kind of thinking about the way the sequencing works on this album if that's not too sort of micro to to get into yeah if you you have some uh interesting observations i'd like to hear them so you know it's like do you like me? I mean, it's like that, the distortion, the kind of blown out feeling of that intro is just like, you know, it's just like, okay, strap in. Like we're, (laughs) you know, you you know, it's such a, it's just such an incredible intro. It's just like, yeah, you think you, Oh, okay. You think, you know, what's going to happen here? Like all bets are off. Right. Like it really establishes like, okay, you know, hold on here. Here we go. The, right. the train is leaving the station, right? So, <laughs> you know, and then it has that jump cut. And it's so interesting, again, kind of getting, like, thinking about that, like, really listening to it where it's like, you know, it's that practice room demo. And Brennan's going to, like, a fill. <laughs> He's, like, mid-fill on the on the intro thing where it does that jump cut into a fill of the actual song, which is just, it's so jarring. Right. So, okay. You've established that. Okay. Do you like me? And you're just like, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. And then, you know, bed for the, uh, for the scraping does that thing that only like the best bands do where you're like the first song kind of blows your mind. And then somehow the second song is better. (laughs) Yeah. It turns it up a notch again. (laughs) Right. That, I mean, that lead on bed for the scraping is like, it's like hands down, like one of the best guitar parts in any song ever. Hyperbolic as that sounds, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I so, agree with that. 
Awesome. So, you know, you, you establish that and then it slows down. Latest is grace. Uh, you know, I don't even know what to say about our birthday pony. It's like, I've listened to it a million times and I, and I, and I love it. And yet it's just sort of like, I, I didn't even know what to sort of put when I was thinking about it. It's just sort of, it's, it's, it's different than the three tracks that come before it. And yet I, I don't know. So then you, you know, you, you kind of slow down from there and then you, you know, you hit combination lock and <laughs> you know, this is, Red Medicine is 95, right? Like this is, you know, this is before OK Computer, you know, any of that. And it, ha- it has the weird computer voice and whatever, you know, that's that's definitely like kind of this, you know, what the fuck moment of like, OK, it's an instrumental. Well, we've had those with Fugazi before, but this is something else, right? So you get that, you fell destroyed, which... Um, I, there's some really interesting, it's very, one of the more processed songs on the album, right? It gets sort of, I don't know, it's, it's hard to really uh, articulate, but it's, it's, it's kind of, we're, it's, everything's kind of slowing down, you know, it doesn't have that momentum of the, of the beginning of the album. And then you hit by you, which I mean, you're like, Oh, Joe's singing. Okay. Awesome. And you know, I personally, hands down my favorite Joe vocals on any Fugazi album. I mean, it's just his delivery being a little different than Guy's and Ian's. is just so satisfying, especially within the sequence of the album when you, when you hit that. So then you hit, uh, was it version? It's like, what, you know, <laughs> yes. what, what is happening here? I can't wait to do it, do it, your episode on that one. Cause it's like, <laughs> I definitely remember thinking, is this, a, is this, who is playing this instrument? What is this? You know, I mean, I guess, is it an instrument you kind of see Guy playing the, it's a clarinet, right? Right. You know, but I mean, you know, instrument, that was a few years after this. So, I mean, I definitely remember, you know, first listen or two on the album, just being like, what is going on? what is going on here, but you know, in a good way, like liking it, but it, it, the, the way it's, it's almost feels kind of underwater. Right. Yes, and you, it's, it's kind of the low ebb of the album, but not in a, not in a bad way. It's just sort of like, Whoa, what? And then you kind of come up for air and you have target, you have back to base and, you, and it's really like, it's, you know, it's so interesting that like, yeah, what you say, um, the first two tracks are, you know, real hot numbers, but then, I mean, uh, the whole middle of the album up until Target is, I, I think, kind of more subdued. Like there are loud moments, and there are some like some like up tempo moments, but on the whole, all of those songs are sort of like they're they're no barn burners up until track totally. ten, and then Target back to base down city. They're all like pretty loud and fast songs. Um, it's, it's so satisfying for for that. Sequence, yeah, it's right? but it's such a weird way to sequence an album. Um, but it's, it's so good it? at the same time. Right, there are albums where you think like, oh, what if you move this around? Where I mean, I, it just feels like I can't imagine it in a different order. Yeah, you, you would imagine like if if this was your band and you were deciding how to sequence the album. I think by the time you got to the end of Fell Destroyed, you'd be like, all right, we need like something snappy now. But but Fugazi's right. like no no let's let's give him let's give him Bayou and Version first, <laughs> right? Yeah, 
Yeah, and it were really, uh, you know, I mean, I, I was thinking about it in a, in a kind of larger context of the albums. You know, there's there's little hints like in on the Kill Taker when you hit, um, you know, S- Sweet and Low, and you're sort of like, okay, we're not even in the universe of punk here. You know, right. there's these little kind of hints leading up to that, leading up to Red Madison. But yeah, I mean, uh, this is their, you know, air quotes like you know, our rock album for sure. I mean, it's, it's so, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, the, I love it so much. And yet I can, you know, you can, you can kind of feel that like a different person, a person that's not like, not, not digging. It's just like, what, you know, what is this? What's going on here? Yeah. To end it with long distance runner too is, um, you know, back to what I, what I was saying about it as a closing number and I, this is probably jumping the gun as far as you know, getting into talking about the lyrics and such. But uh, the way that they end this song is so interesting as well. Like it does not leave you with any sense of resolution or finality, right? right? Like so, as a musician, you know, like there are all these stock ways that you can end a song, right? You end on a big one chord. You end on a big five chord. You sort of like. Um, you, there's the classic fade out that uh, that was sort of like the old fashioned way to do things. There's like sort of stripping away everything until it's like just the drum beat and a guitar riff left. Or you know there are there are all these things you can do, but but they don't do any of that on this. There's they, it's sort of this new little guitar part comes in that's right. just like churning, and then it just ends. It doesn't. There's like no sense of resolution, and it's it's almost not even like anti-resolution in a way but yeah. it but it does gel so well with the the lyrics to this it's like this isn't the ending of anything i like i'm a long distance runner this is this is just like this is it for now and then we're yeah. just going to keep going um so yeah. thematically interesting i would say totally yeah i mean i, I have i have a lot of thoughts about <laughs> the uh the lyrics and yeah i mean I, I i'm i'm ready to get into that i get i the one other um thing and kind of uh thinking about this is i was trying i was trying to think of another last track on an album that really kind of does anything that's similar to this and you know i mean there's so many it's like it's not a like a, a day in the life last track right like it's not that bump so often an album that's like beautifully sweet goons and you get to the end and it has a kind of bombastic ending or it has a big ending. So, um, I was thinking of, um, talking heads. This must be the place. Like it, it's, it's, it, it feels similar to that in that it's this, it's a really satisfying last track. Like a lot of bands aren't going to put like a really strong song as the last track. Right. Hmm. Yeah, or at least, at least not something that's going to be like a radio single. Like it could be, totally. could be a very strong song, but just not that that kind of song. Right. Um, so, uh, do you, uh, uh, Pavement has uh, last track on Crooked Rain. You know that one, Fillmore Jive. Yeah. It does something similar where it has a kind of down tempo. It gets a, it's 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 like a little weird, a little funky. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it, it was one of the closer ones that sort of felt like. Um, something like that, or you know, Radiohead obviously is one of those bands where they really, you know, they really nail that first song, last song, 
Um, everything in between pretty much. <laughs> everything in between. But, you know, I, I, you know, they definitely have that kind of like come down, like, um, like videotape feels like, uh, you know, a track where it's like, it's very satisfying as the last track, but it, it's definitely, it's a, it's a down note more than a up note for a, for, for a sure. last track. Right. So, um, or I don't, I, you know, I was thinking of, uh, Brian, you know, here come the warm jazz. I think that anything that's sort of air quotes like art rock <laughs> is hard hard to not sort of like <laughs> bring up Brian, you know. Right. But um, I mean, I, I couldn't think of another album. You know, here come the warm jazz. It's like I couldn't think of another album where the t- the title track of an album is the last track on an album. Well, I mean, the argument. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Hadn't occurred to me, but you know, similar, so similar in that it's, there's something about it. It's, you know, the word that comes to mind is just like satisfying. It's like satisfying as a last track, particularly in the context of, you know, the album kind of takes you on this journey and you hit that last track and you're like, Oh yeah, this is exactly what I want. right now." Yeah. It's, uh, it's paradoxically, almost like intentionally unsatisfying, but you know, to a certain kind of listener, it is satisfying yes, in that, in that clearly. way. Yeah. I, I am interested to, um, it does feel like, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a big group, you know, we're all, we're all Fugazi fans here, but it does feel like if you take the pie chart of like the people that are like, Oh, long distance runner, that's my jam. Like that's probably a smaller slice than, than a lot of others. Right. I would have to think so. Yeah, I, <laughs> we should bust out the um, the Spotify like most frequently played um, <laughs> right. list. Well, uh, you know, when you were talking about uh, you know I'm so tired being number two. I mean, that just totally blew my mind. Right. I mean, I had no you know. I mean, being old enough that it's sort of like you know Spotify is like newfangled. Like you know, I mean, I use it, but it's sort of like you know my relationship to the instrument soundtrack you know, completely predates all the sort of YouTube YouTube covers and whatever in this way that it was sort of like, I mean, that just really took me by surprise that, that you know, like, oh, look at that. It's number two on Spotify. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't really looked into that, actually. Maybe it's something that I'll... Um bust out toward the end of the show and sort of assess that the the popularity rankings of all the Fugazi songs. Right. Um, yeah, that's an idea. Before we get on to talking about the lyrics entirely, uh, I just want to say let's hear it for reverb on this track oh, because both the drums and the vocals, especially the sort of quieter vocal parts, um, they really make the most of using reverb on this album and uh, in, in sort of a way that's a contrast to what came before. Yes, totally. I mean, when you isolate that, that the snare sound alone, I feel like I can listen to on Long Distance Runner. Yeah. Like, there's something so satisfying about that snap when he hits the snare, and it's so Brendan, the way he doesn't... It just feels like so many other drummers would be, would be I don't know, just there would be more snare. There would be more of a kind of March like something happening with the snare, but it's, it's, it's the drum or the, the guitars are doing that. The, everything is kind of rhythmic in this way where you kind of feel that almost kind of, kind of March 
feeling to it, but then you feel that each snap of that snare when he comes in, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I would love to see an actual, I'd love to see the actual studio set up. Yeah, that would be so great. I can really imagine this as the kind of song that would like make somebody want to play drums. Like they listen to this oh, and they're totally. like, all right, that's it. I'm going to be a drummer. Totally. I mean, that's how I feel. And it's like, I mean, I've, I mean, I've been playing guitar for 20 years longer or whatever. And it's just, I, 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 when I think of drums, I think of Brenda's drumming. Like I think of this song specifically and i actually i picked my my brother-in-law is a drummer so i i had to um i had to pick his brain about this a little bit because i'm you know it's as much as i love drums and i love kind of messing around you know i have a keyboard with little pads and whatever like i you know i don't know i'm a guitar player playing drums right i don't know but you know i said you know what you know what's going, you know, what is happening here? And he was, you know, he was saying like, oh, you know, there's not a lot of Tom and it's, it's, there's very, you know, it, it's very kind of minimal in a way that drums have that four, four feel very solid. And then, um, I, I've thought about the way that those, the snare hits feel, especially on that second half when everything kind of falls away and it has, it's not, two drum hit it's not two hits on the snare but it's not one either and i, it's, I was like what is that and he's like oh it's a flam right did, did you did, yeah i was like oh okay good there is a name for this <laughs> <laughs> um that's so the, and the way he pushes that right like the way that he um the subtlety in which he they're almost you know left and right sticks coming down on the snare but they're just a little off and as it kind of progresses he kind of pushes that space between the the snare hits, right? And, and that reverb that's on it makes it just so satisfying. Yes. I can't say enough about it, just how, how great the drums sound. It's it's beautiful. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you agree. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I, it feels like, it feels easy to imagine someone hearing us talk about this and being like, you know, we're talking about this couple snare hits here but it's it's that there's just such intention in everything that they do and it's they're so you know it's not like they sat down and they're like okay well i'm gonna do a flam and then i'm gonna do this and whatever you know it just feels like they you you can tell that they're they're just so sensitive to these little subtleties that make it so interesting to listen to right yeah brendan in particular always seemed like a really intuitive musician to me yeah uh, speaking of drums and rhythm I, I would also like to give props to those sort of bass triplets at yes. the end where uh, where ian is singing long distance runner um, that's such a nice rhythmic moment for sure well it's the most and, and you know joe talks about you know listening to dub and it kind of calls that out an instrument, but this is the most explicitly dub moment, certainly up until that point in their catalog, right? Where, it, you know, it just gets that. You're like, Oh yeah. Awesome. And I, it's, I was trying to figure out and, and I'd love for you to, uh, you know, cause I probably bass is one of my lesser 
<laughs> instruments, uh, even though I like to play around on that too. You know, the drums are staying on that 4-4, the bass goes to that triplet, and is it is the bass really kind of in a 3-4 at that point? It has a tension to it where it made me think of um, uh, the Talking Head song, uh, Once in a Lifetime, where famously um, the drums are in 4-4 and the bass is in 3-4, and that's why the verses have that, like, you know, vibe, again, that, you know, we're talking about so much with this, uh, with Long Distance Runner, the, the vibe of that song so much comes, you know, comes from that sort of hmm. way that those two pieces don't quite line up. And then when it goes to the chorus and it goes all 4-4, four, four, it's, you know, it's so satisfying. So I was, I was like, does it actually do that where the bass is actually in 3-4? I, I wasn't sure. It's definitely a triplet. Yeah, it just it just doesn't snap to the same grid as the drums, which is what makes it sound so cool. Yeah, yeah. Also, I like the the classic guitar riffage sounds when Ian is singing. The answer is there. It's like dun 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 dun. dun. Yes, palm muting. Yeah, it's palm muting power chords, <laughs> and it's it's the only um, it's the most rooted part of the song because. You know, it's you. You kind of feel that kind of come down there, where you kind of land on the ground because he is. You're like, oh, there's there's chords there. There's there's something there that you're kind of standing on. Where it's the rest of the time that you know the two guitar parts are just sort of weaving around each other in this ethereal way. Yeah, that's so true. It's like the song starts out doing really interesting stuff, and this is the sort of moment where you touch touch down to the ground, touch down to solid earth. And then you sort of take off again and do some, listen to some more interesting, weird stuff. <laughs> totally. I mean, it feels like a, like a little bit of a journey, right? Yeah. I, again, I, I'm always impressed by how much Fugazi can teach you about structuring a song. And that's an interesting way to think of it. Just like the, the journey that the song takes you on. It's starts uh it has a beginning a middle and end to it and it's not just repeated verses and choruses yes it doesn't have that traditional structure at all another sonic quality that i pointed out is something we had to had to give a tip of the hat to is so after ian screams runner there's like next comes these super dissonant chords and this like choked scream that he does um, this is like one of those moments that, yeah, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in the studio and watch him record this part. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's so, he's got such a good scream <laughs> and it is, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of moments where, you know, Ian's the more kind of like barking kind of screamer vocalist of the two and i don't mean that as a slight but there, there's something about i mean you, it just feels like he's not holding back at all right i mean it's just full throated like he's head up to the ceiling screaming yeah i i don't know though it does it doesn't it sound somehow restrained like it it's yeah it's almost like he's muffling his own voice or like it's he's choking it back in a way he he i think part of it's it is mixed the that the vocal sort of gets a little mixed a little lower there yeah i'm sure that's a part part of it too right yeah um and then uh, i think uh 
we come to a part where Ian has two vocal tracks layered against each other, right, for the ends when he's singing Long Distance Runner? Yeah, well, um, yeah, well, so he screamed, but before that, so he had, there's that screaming moment. And, um, and I, ha- I have more to say about that, but I think we should get to that when, when we get into the lyrics. But that, that contrast of he's screaming, and yeah, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it's a clenched teeth screaming more than a but anyways he screams and then he's whispering right like literally whispering and i remember so clearly sitting with the album and looking at the lyrics and being like i can't figure out what the hell he's saying and taking the (laughs) lyric sheet out and and sitting there and reading it just to figure out what he's saying and it's i couldn't think of any other vocal in the in any of their other songs where he's that quiet yeah you can barely make out what he's saying yeah it's it's so such a dramatically quiet <laughs> uh way yes. to go yeah and then in the double track on long distance runner i i was trying to yeah, i was like is it two ians or is it i think i mean i think i think you're right i think it's i think it's ian twice for the long distance runner line at the end but it's hard to tell because the second vocal is just kind of layered under that first one in a way uh and speaking of which uh, at the very beginning the part uh the farther i go the less i know one foot in front of the other um (laughs) we agree that that's ian's voice right absolutely and yet it's treated differently right yeah it it sounds like like it's it's a a sample from somewhere doesn't it? it it and clearly like i mean we can we can agree that nothing is uh, uh, unintentional with Fugazi. Maybe they kind of got hit upon, you know, obviously they hit upon things just jamming and figuring things out or whatever. But the way that it feels like it's like a, it's, it's like a snippet from a video or something. Right? Absolutely. Or, or like a recording of an interview with him or something like that. So do you, I tried to look it up. I tried to Google it. I couldn't find anything. Like, I was like, is this some famous runner? And I just, you know, I'm a dummy. I don't know. I couldn't find anything. No, no, I, I am 95% sure that it's just something they recorded for this song and treated differently to make it sound that way. But yeah, but yeah the, like there is that intention to make it sound as if this is some like famous clip from a, from a movie or something. It's, it's very a, cinematic and that's a word that comes up yeah. with, with Fugazi so often. But I mean, you just, you feel like you can see the video of, you know, the, the talking head on on the video just being like the farther they go the less I know I mean it's just like it, it's so uh, it, it it's kind of amazing how much you get out of that such a subtle little treatment on the vocal well I I guess that sort of segues into talking about the lyrics if you want to go there yeah absolutely where I mean, just accounting alone, right? You're like, okay, it's a race. Yes. yes. Obviously, you wouldn't you wouldn't start a race by going one, two, three, four, but you know, on your mark, to go or whatever. But I mean, how intentional is that? That they're like, you know, okay, this is a song about running. Although clearly, <laughs> it's at least somewhat metaphorical. But you know, it's like, hey, it's it's a race. One, you know, let's have a count in. that's so true i i don't think i had really thought of that before um (laughs) that's that's funny that's the stage that we are in with my daughter right now she's like a toddler and she likes to just run uh she likes it when we tell her 
one, two, three, run, and she runs across the room in this like sort of really cute arm flailing way. But um, and yeah, I was originally like, well, I'll do I'll do a countdown. But then I was like, no, that that doesn't help her learn how to count. I'll count up. Right. I'll do so. Yeah, every, like practically every night. I'm like one, two, three, run. <laughs> it's amazing how universal those things are. I mean, I have three kids, and it's like, yeah, I mean. My son, firstborn, it was just like, I mean, he just wanted to run all the time. You know, yeah. you're just like, all right, okay, here we go. One, two, three, go. On your marks, set, go. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that first line from Ian, the farther I go, the less I know. Uh, so it brought to mind for me Socrates. Um, there's this like his, his Socrates' famed awareness of his own ignorance and like that being reputed to be one of his virtues. Uh, so this mainly stems from the um, uh, the Plato's apology uh, is um, Socrates is talking about like uh, having a conversation with a supposed wise man. And he says, although I do not suppose that either of us knows anything really beautiful and good, I am better off than he is, for he knows nothing and thinks that he knows. I neither know nor think that I know. It's, it's, it's an undeniably philosophical it, it it seems like it, it ties this sort of virtuous ignorance to this uh, theme of persistence that is captured in these lyrics. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, it fun- it feels to me like the lyrics function on kind of three different levels. There's there's this kind of I, I would kind of lump the kind of philosophical level in with the kind of literal kind of talking about running or or something like that level. And then there's the kind of metaphor as as an artist, right? Like as a, a artistic pursuit, and 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 all the lines kind of really work really nice when you think of it as a, a metaphor for that. But then, the more I thought about it, it kind of has this third level of almost kind of an ethos level of like, you know, I'm a long distance runner as like I'm an artist, or I'm a long distance runner as this like you know this is my ethos. This is the type of person that I, I am. And it just feels like all three of those levels kind of play pretty nice with each other. Surprisingly. Yeah. It has to be said that this is one of those classic Ian McKay types of songs. That's about his own identity. And that's sort of been a mainstay in his songwriting. This, this might be like the ultimate one really when it comes to like, uh, yeah. 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 Give me a song that sums up who Ian McKay is. Um, I might point you to this. Like, I feel like there are so many interviews I've heard with him that this song sort of encapsulates in some ways, right? Like, totally. Um, and and some in ways that you might not expect. Like, for example, Ian Mackay has said in many interviews, like that he doesn't have, like, he never plans for the future. He doesn't have long-term plans for the future, and he never has. Um, so the metaphor of the long distance runner might be kind of a strange one. Cause of course a long distance runner has an end goal in mind, right? right. Like there, there is a finish line. Um, but Ian McKay is talking about something entirely different. Like it's not a marathon where there is a finish line out there somewhere. Right. Um, it's, it's just about moving and it's not about that finish line at all. So it's, right. it's, a weirdly imperfect metaphor or, or just like an altered kind of metaphor. Right. Well, I mean, clearly there's a lot about mortality in 
yeah. in these in these lyrics. And so, I, you know, I guess all any any of those kind of levels of thinking of it as an artist, as a, just you know, personal philosophy or whatever, they all kind of end with like you are going to die at some point, right? Not to be too uh, macabre, right? <laughs> So I mean, there's there's there is a there is an endpoint, no no matter. But I, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. That sort of um, well, you can't. I guess you can't. In a way, you have to be in the moment. If you're running a marathon, I mean, I have run. <laughs> I've never run a marathon, but you know, I mean, I've run four miles, five miles, whatever. I mean, the more you can be in the moment. <laughs> if you if you're running and you're thinking about like, oh Jesus, when, you know, when's the end of this thing? It it doesn't work very well right so it still kind of works on that level of like you know long distance runner you have to be in the moment i have never been a runner myself i've always kind of hated running i i don't think i've ever run four or five miles at a time um it's just like my least favorite form of exercise although i must say in recent times i have been jogging a little uh, just because, like, like, basically, like this song says, to fight entropy, right? Like, just to to battle gravity and the like um, persistent forces of of age uh, on the human body. <laughs> so, yes. like, that's sort of the point of it for me, um, and probably for a lot of people, just like to keep moving, like get your body moving. Like, if you just sit around all day uh, and yeah. uh, you're you're just gonna fall apart. Um, right. Well, but, the line—it all boils down to not hanging around. I mean, just right. keep moving. I mean, it's—it is. Yeah. I mean, my relationship to running. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, when I was 15 and thought I was punk rock and whatever, I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> no exercise, no running, no sports. You know, it, you know. I felt, you know. It, I mean, I'm sure Ian's. Through my lens of growing up in the, you know, in the 90s in Southern California or whatever, I mean, you know, punks and jocks were like two different camps, right? right. So, you know, sporty things felt like, you know, that's, that's not my, that's not my, not my people. But, you know, I mean, pretty shortly out, out of, of high school, like a lot of things, you, you're kind of like, yeah, that doesn't, it's not really that doesn't, it doesn't really matter, right? So I, I think it's interesting to think of it as sort of like, you know, the metaphor would be really different if it was like a, a team sport, right? True. Although it, like, it kind of is. I don't sort of understand the dynamics of like um, a cross country team, but that is a thing, right? What you said before about mor- the mortality in this song, I also think it shows off a really vulnerable part of Ian because when he says, "And if I stop to catch my breath, I might catch a piece of death." Um, that part is almost like, yeah, pulling back the curtain a little about his insecurities. Um, and it, it, it's not, it's not like, yeah, I'm a long distance runner because of like this great virtuous reason or whatever. It's like, no, I'm, I'm scared. Like I'm scared of what might happen if I stop. Uh, and that's something you don't always get in Ian songs. And it's very, there's something very endearing about it. And, um, it it really is a little bit revealing, um, it, yeah, in a, in a different kind of way. Because Ian, like as I said before, he is always writing these songs about who he is as a person. But sometimes he doesn't 
he's not so open about his you know his deep fears um it's more like his like trying to explain his philosophy and uh something else that i like about that little stanza is uh it, it, of how basically how subjective it is the attitude of it uh when he says i can't keep your pace if i want to finish this race my fight's not with you it's with gravity so it's not like he's saying my way is the right way um but you know it's i can't keep your pace your pace might be fine for you but it's not something that's tenable for me so i think you know this relates to what he said in interviews about the way fugazi operated like uh he's not trying to fight the music industry or bands who sell t-shirts and merchandise or whatever um it's not that he's against other people doing that he's just against uh himself doing that and like that's not the way that he wants to do things so it's not so much of a like a fight between this group and that group it's it's more of a fight uh for Ian Mackay and Fugazi to be able to do what they want um against you know forces that are trying to prevent them from uh being able to do what they want and and again just from uh, a fight against gravity uh against entropy against inertia basically um it, it also kind of echoes long division which i guess is the next song we'll be talking about on this podcast it's um uh it's like i'm not your villain not your adversary right like the, let's not talk about this in terms of uh of me versus you that's not what it is i'm i'm maybe in a race but i'm not competing against any other person i'm just competing with gravity well, yeah, it speaks of knowing yourself, picking your battles, sort of like, well, you know, I can't, I can't kill myself over this one thing. You know, I have to finish this show. We have to finish this album. I mean, I, I know that on a personal level, you know, I, I, I really kind of identify with that piece of just like, as an artist, you have to keep that picture, the, you know, kind of big picture of like, you can't get hung up on, you know, this this little thing I'm I'm fighting with this one little person about this thing you have to for the greater good to, to, to finish the race you have to you know kind of pick those battles uh, you know an, an, an element that <laughs> I was I thought of all that and then it just today when I was thinking about it it kind of occurred to me it, it, not in a not in a bad way, but I mean, he surely you see their dynamic on stage, and 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 everyone's giving a hundred percent, and you and you see how much they're putting into every performance and every song. But <laughs> Ian must have some moments with Gee where he's like, "I can't, I can't, you know." It's like I'm not gonna, you know. He is is intense as Ian is. He's not climbing through the basketball hoop. He's not writhing <laughs> on the floor. He's not he's not doing that thing that Guy does that's just like he's like, you know, he's like Iggy Pop level id like something you know, the, you know, he <laughs> Ian on some level must be like, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't do that. Like I have to, <laughs> I have to do me. Right. So that, that like kind of level of it, uh, I thought found kind of intriguing. You're, you're right uh, to, 
to such an extent that like I'm just now imagining Ian doing the like climbing through the basketball hoop thing, and it, it's very <laughs> funny. Like, right? It just makes you laugh. Right? <laughs> like, and it, it's like, you know, we don't mean for that to sound mean-spirited. So it sounds almost sort of like a, a slight, but it's, it's just not. I mean, they No, it's just not his personality. Totally. And those differences in their personality is so much of what makes the band so incredible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, another song that I think this song is in conversation with a little is I'm So Tired. Uh, the aforementioned mm-hmm. I'm So Tired. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't, I think it's almost too obvious to point out. But, yeah, being a long-distance <laughs> runner is tiring. And um, sure. there's... That's another like piece of his, a song that shows his vulnerability for sure. Um, oh, I mean, it's a standout in that respect. It's it, it has a it's weary but sort of triumphant at the same time, and that yeah. that's kind of goes through both songs. I did a little bit of research about um, if there was if there was any science about long distance runners and uh, their their sort of psychology. Uh, I did see one interesting thing. There's like a recent study in the Australian Journal of Psychology uh, where it seems like kind of an interesting experiment like they took uh, 20 ultra marathon runners and basically sort of put them up against a control group of non runners of the same uh, gender and age and uh, like so they they did these these questionnaires but then they were also shown these images that were uh, like basically a mix like some were sort of neutral images of of just everyday objects whatever but then there are also images intended to provoke a strong emotional response so like like i don't know injuries uh crime scene photos things like that and then the subjects had their uh basically physiological response measured their heart rates uh stuff like that um so just to see what their natural reactions were uh, and it turns out that runners were much better at being resilient, like they're they're able to regulate their emotions when shown these sort of like graphic upsetting images. And um, yeah, just just sort of deal with things better. And um, so I, I think you could be in danger of over extrapolating what that means. Um, but it certainly like rings true, right? That somebody who practices this form of resilience in in their their like physical training is like the same things happens to their mental acuity and just being able to handle things with more equanimity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are, you know, in a lot of ways. Very, both Guy and it, very kind of even keeled. I mean, they have this reputation of, oh, you know, oh, they're calling out people in the in the audience for doing things, and oh, they're yelling at people, they're lecturing people or whatever. But when you really think about, when you put yourself in their shoes and you in <laughs> standing from the stage and what you can see from a stage versus down in a you know crowd of people or whatever, they are, you know, they get they finish some. Incredibly intense song and they're screaming or whatever and then they're like you know talking and saying oh you know i their, their stage banter is very kind of even keeled and kind of hilarious and dry and then you know and, and it, a lot of those times when they do say like hey don't do that you know it's not like i mean i could imagine myself <laughs> being a situation where it's you know i, I would be you know yelling and being 
like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Whatever. Where it's, you know, a lot of times it's very like, hey, hey, don't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, no, that's not a good idea. You know, so it is, they are, uh, there's something in there. Yeah. The answer is there. The answer is there. But there's not a fixed position. I mean, it's a beautiful metaphor. I mean, it's as an artistic practice. And it applies is a it's sort of it's one of the only lines like I think that has sort of a religious tone in a way. I couldn't think of any other lines that had any sort of like, you know, the answer's there, but it's not a fixed position. I mean, I would say he's talking about God, but it does have an element. To it. There's a lot to chew on there. Like if the answer is there, but there's not a fixed position, it keeps moving along. Like, does that mean is there really an answer? Like it reminds me of um Taoism in the way that like I think I think the explanation was like the Tao is like a finger pointing at the moon and like you can't focus on the finger it's not like that's not what you're supposed to be concentrating on like it's just a a finger pointing the way to something else that certainly has religious resonance with something here maybe yeah the the answer is not an answer it's the answer is to keep looking for answers kind of I try to meditate. It's it's so easy. The idea of meditating is like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna meditate, and I'm gonna feel something, or I'm gonna feel calmer, I'm gonna whatever. But you know, it, it that sort of that thought kind of intrinsically is the opposite in a lot of ways than really what you what <laughs> what works is is meditating. So you, it's like the more you can just sort of say. There's something in that sort of complexity of the answer is there, but it's not a fixed position. You know, it's not about accomplishing something specific. It's about trying to do it. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's like a little Zen koan. It is, which, I mean, I, I, I just think that, that Ian doesn't get enough credit for a real, I mean, these are very beautiful lyrics in a way. Yeah. And it's not a word that comes to mind. And, and you know, and, and Guy's lyrics have this kind of thorny, poetic sort of craziness to them. You know, your eyes like crashing jets, fixed in stained glass, but not religious. I mean, it's like, I've listened to the album hundreds of times. I kind of feel like I know what it means, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know that I'm ever going to like, I don't. I don't even know that I want to know what it means. It's like if if you have Gion, which I hope that you do. The last thing I would want for him to say, "Oh yeah, uh, this is exactly <laughs> what that line means," right? Right. But you know, Ian's lyrics don't have that sort of. They're so grounded. They're so his his language is simpler in a way. But you know, there's there's he just he has a really amazing knack for choosing his words so carefully in this way where it's never too didactic. It's never too literal. It, it always has that space in there for you to find your own, you know, where it resonates with you. And I, I think, um, I never consciously thought like, Oh, that's why I love the song. Cause it's, you know, Oh, the lyrics, but it's just, it's, it's, it's palpable. It's there. You know, there's, it's one of those songs where I have, I just have, you know, I have that feeling like I need to, I need to listen to long distance runner. Right now. <laughs> it just scratches this itch. It's just like, and it, and it's really that second half. It's that, it's that, I mean, the whole song's great, 
but it's that breakdown where it's just he's 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 whispering and it's and it's something about that the it's I don't know, maybe some people would pr- protest uh, comparing talking about the cure like oh the cure is not cool enough uh, uh, in comparison to Fugazi I don't know maybe not I'm sure there's lots of people like both but you know there's something about that relationship in the the sound the feeling of the song and then the in the words that uh, that really is, it feels similar to me here where it's just it's this symbiosis of the way the song makes you feel regardless of what the words are and whatever and you you sort of connect to that and then in this this sort of the the lyrics are this kind of like back door of like oh yeah well okay i i hear i hear the lyrics here and i understand what they mean but the song already kind of has you just from the way it sounds before you your you know your conscious mind wants to get in there and be like you know make complicate things this might be a good point in the show to ask you about ratings So, Sean, from one to five stars, do you think you could uh, rank this uh, song, Long Distance Runner, in the context of the Fugazi catalog? How do you like it? I, I, think, I think I can. I mean, you know, obviously, I, I've listened to a lot of episodes. I knew this question was coming. And, you know, the first thought in my mind was like, full five, it has to be five. And then I thought like, well, I don't know. Is that, is that hyperbolic? Is that, you know, because it doesn't have the anthemic quality of you know, songs on repeater and on the kill taker, whatever. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, what are you crazy? Like you've listened to this song like (laughs) 5,000 times. Of course it's a five. Like I love this song on an irrational level that I, that we've just talked about it for an hour. And I still feels like there's this part of it. That's just like, yeah, but all that aside, like I just, I don't know. It just, it speaks to me in this illogical level so i mean i have to go five (laughs) i think i will have to agree with you i think this has to be a five star song for me too um i was uh, i think something that might speak to what you were just saying is that like i i think this the whole metaphor of the long distance runner might touch on something really primal and innate to all human beings because the other thing i forgot to mention about doing research on this is that uh in there's this really popular study in 2004 um on human evolution by dennis bramble and daniel lieberman um called endurance running and the evolution of homo where like basically there's a huge amount of attention that this got because it basically argued that humans are just supremely adapted more than any other animal uh to be distance runners and it's not something you wouldn't think about uh, necessarily like as as humans being the best at because like what about horses? What about, you know, antelopes or whatever? But no, it turns out like in terms of really long distances, humans can basically outrun anything. And that's that's what led to a lot of early human success as an evolutionary creature, you know, along with uh, brain power. Um, and there's there's all these physiological things like uh, that people can can shed heat quickly and like regulate their body temperatures 
because most animals do that by panting, but humans ha- have like all these millions of sweat glands and they can just pers- perspire and uh, more easily cool down that way. Humans can carry water with them and not have to like find uh, a, a creek or something to drink from. We, we don't have fur, so we can also that also helps dissipate heat more quickly. Um, yeah, in, in addition to like the bipedal um, nature of our uh, of our like locomotion system. So yeah, like there there is this argument that could be made that's like deep down in our in our roots as human beings, there's something about being a long distance runner that speaks to us. And yeah, like, as I said, even though that's like not my preferred form of exercise, it's something that really captures me as a metaphor. And like, I don't know, it reaches down into something like deep inside of me, um, which uh, maybe that's, maybe that's what you're feeling too. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I, I think that all adds up with the super interesting uh, musical aspects of this song as sort of a capstone to a really cool, experimental, um, interesting-sounding album. Um, so, yeah, all of which is to say, I think it's a five for me. Uh, it's it's really impactful and really memorable. But let me give some snippets from what people thought on the Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook group. Um, I think for the most part, people are pretty much in agreement with you and me. Sean Caldwell says, easily my favorite closer from any Fugazi release, the song loses steam as if running out of breath. And the opening lines I've always interpreted as a metaphor meant to encapsulate the aging process and memory loss. Thomas Harding says, uh, I, I think it really caps Red Medicine perfectly. It feels like a coda of all the sounds and textures on the record. It also grounds the record with the rest of the prior catalog for me. It's a good balance between the experimentation on Red Medicine and the post-hardcore sound they had forged through their earlier works. Um, Brian Ex Officio says, perfect snare sound, perfect song. Ben Traub says, many bands ago I was doing demos and the engineer asked us what kind of feel we were going for. I played him this song. He got excited and mad because he'd been part of the local sound team when Fugazi played Indianapolis in the fall of 95, and he remembered the intro to the song scaring the crap out of him for starting so ferociously. Oh, here's a good one. Tony Ramos says, One of my fave tracks from them, as as a long-distance runner, I feel every note and word of this on a literal level. At mile 20 or so of the marathon, the finish line is just around the corner, but it really isn't. Experienced racers know that the 20-mile mark is... Uh, the halfway point of the 26.2 mile race in every respect, except for measurement. The finish line there is not a fixed position. Um, Yeah. I'm glad Tony could (laughs) provide some actual like marathon uh, uh, perspective uh, for (laughs) those of us who, who don't do this. Um, He also says uh, the song works for other reasons too. For me, it signaled a thematic shift from the collective struggle as a band to internal and personal struggle. Uh, and he says, I seem to recall that Joe Lally is himself a long distance runner, um, which I, I haven't read. Um, I'd be interested to hear more about that. If that if that is true, it has escaped my um, research that I've done on the song. But yeah, yeah, I'd be I'd be glad to hear about that for sure. Right. Josh Saunders says uh, talks about the ending. He says it's quite a heavy, serious track, but I like what's inferred. Perhaps it's just me from the ending and the harmonic dissonance and guitar string vibrato in it, which is something exhausted, tired, coming apart, like a runner collapsing at the end of a marathon. Um, yeah. You can kind of feel that. You see, you know, footage of the 
marathon runner kind of like jelly legged as they're kind of like crossing the yeah. marathon, uh, the cross the fish line. And that that guitar that guitar wobble is you know yeah spot on for that. Right? <laughs> um, Dan Shaw says. Um, yeah, by the end of the song, after all the various musical changes the song goes through, it falls into such a peaceful, settled groove, a place you never would have expected to end up just a moment earlier when things seemed so intense. Um, the lyrics tell it all. It all boils down to not hanging around, to keep moving in front of the gravity. That's how I've gotten through a lot of hard times in life, by staying active when it feels hard or pointless. Yeah, um... And, um, yes, yeah, like so many people talked about, just wanted to mention the snare sound on this song, like that, that you and I praised. So I that's so that... interesting. I, I wouldn't, I, I think that's part of what so works about the song is that I sort of, I was like, Oh God, that snare is unbelievable. I'm like, but you know, not people are going to be bringing up the snare. Well, strong listener reaction to this song. Uh, I think the only thing left really to talk about is plugs. So, Sean Jurd, where can listeners reach you? Do you have any projects coming up that you want to uh, promote? Well, I have a website, seanjurd.com, S-E-A-N-J-E-R-D. That's uh, one of the benefits of having an unusual last name. Uh, so, um, that has my photography on it and it, you can find uh, links to my, uh, music, uh, on there as well. I have an album on uh, Bandcamp called come rain or shine. Pretty much if you put Sean Jurd in the, in Google, all the results are pretty much going to be me, but, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm working on, uh, I'm working on some music, uh, at the moment that's hopefully going to go out into the world soon sweet all right uh well listeners keep an eye out for that i'll uh, i'll put the relevant links down there in the show notes you just scroll on down and uh, i'll save you some typing and clicking and such so uh cool yeah thank you sean great to talk about uh this very impactful song with you you can always reach me at fugazi a to z at gmail.com cool to hear from you guys and of course Join the Facebook group, The Alphabetical Fugazi, if you're inclined to share your thoughts on upcoming songs. And I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we will be discussing Long Division. Until then, keep your eyes open. This is my life.